Pizza City is brought to you by Baccio Cheese. Now, one of the things I like about provolone is the sharpness, but I know a lot of restaurant owners don't necessarily love the round shape it traditionally comes in because it's not ideal for sandwich coverage or storage. Well, Baccio Cheese has reinvented the wheel, so to speak. They've just launched Provore, which has the delicious, sharp provolone flavor you'd expect, but it's made with their secret recipe, including Baccio's trademark Kiss of Buffalo Milk. Now, rather than pizza this month, I sliced a few squares off of the six-pound rectangular block they sent me. It does stack nice in my fridge, by the way. I placed them between thick slices of brioche, some end-of-season heirloom tomatoes, and bacon, and wow, melts just as consistently as their other pizza cheeses I've had. Has that sharp meat's creamy taste I was expecting. And here's the cool thing for all you restaurant owners. They guarantee quality and offer cash back for every pound you buy through their Baccio Gold Club program. You can learn more about Provore cheese by heading over to BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA. That's BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA. Provore. It's provolone-inspired, Baccio-perfected. But if you go to Milan or maybe even Rome in 1930, they've never heard of pizza. Pizza doesn't exist in those, in those places. It was only when the GIs came back for World War II, so the GIs came from America and were posted in Italy for the, in, for the war in World War II, they brought the concept of pizza to northern Italy. Every year there are dozens of cookbooks that are published and just as many, if not more, food travel books. But very few pizza books and even fewer that combine some history, some travel, and some recipes. A pair of Brits have a new book out called Pizza and it traces their awakening from eager road trippers through Italy to creating a pizza brand in the UK with 14 locations. The story of the pizza pilgrims straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to another edition of Pizza City here as we head into the holiday season. Uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, hopefully you were safe, uh, socially distanced, lots of masks. Uh, this week we're talking with some new friends from across the pond. Uh, actually, just well, one of them. It's a brother duo, James and Tom Elliott. And I spoke with Tom. Um, actually, it was during service. So they've got uh, they've got a company called Pizza Pilgrims. Like I said, 14 locations in the UK. Um, they were actually during service. Tom went downstairs or went to the office and did the interview with me. Uh, very kind of him to do that. But interesting story. The two brothers embarked on this quest several years ago through Italy from from bottom to top um, in a little van, learning, exploring, discovering some of the stories. They really fell hard for Neapolitan. I mean, they had this epiphany in their early 20s. They had never had, you know, true Neapolitan pizza, which is kind of odd considering you're not that far from Italy, from, you know, from London. Anyway, they fell in love with Neapolitan. That has become kind of their mantra, their style of pizza, the wood-fired pizza. Um, but then for the book, they did some traveling, and they went to New York and New Haven and Chicago. 
got to take some issue with the Chicago chapter. Um, I didn't give Tom a hard time in the interview. I was being very polite, but man, um, they threw in some weird ones and um, they got a couple of good ones, but you know, I just hate to see some of the touristy stuff get ink when there are lots of little independents that really deserve it. Um, folks, if you're writing a book uh, that includes Chicago pizza, please reach out to me. Very easy to, to find me on Instagram. <laughs> on Twitter. Happy to show you around if you want to learn about Chicago pizza. Regardless, uh, kind enough uh, to take some time to talk about the new book. Um, and we started off as we start off all of our conversations with asking our guest uh, about their first pizza memory. Tom Elliott, great to have you on the show today from across the pond. Uh, one of our first guests, I think, in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm honored. Yeah, obviously, you know, we are in awe of the, the pizza culture in the US. So, uh, you know, we're just excited to be part of it. So I'm not sure if you've heard the show before, uh, but we always ask our guests first question out the top. Uh, your first pizza memory, do you, do you recall? First pizza memory, and I think this is such a big one for everyone uh, in the UK. There's, there's, a, there's a brand in the UK called Pizza Express. And it kind of completely, it's been around since the 60s, but it kind of really exploded into, into, into life in the 80s. And everyone of my age remembers going to Pizza Express with their parents, having a bottle of Coca-Cola, like that old kind of glass bottle. It was one of the first places you really ever got that. And, you know, Pizza Express is still around today, but that's, that is just such a big part of my childhood, going there. And what kind of pizza was it? Was it a, like a Neapolitan, really soft and sort of wet in the middle, or like a New York slice foldable? It's funny, it kind of, it doesn't really sit with a huge amount of tradition. It, it came to, the, to London as basically one of the first pizza places in London. It was like pizza didn't really exist in the 60s. And it, it's kind of like a thin crust. Uh, it's cooked in an electric deck oven. Um... I'll be honest with you, it's not the greatest pizza in the world. They never are. The early ones never are the greatest in the world. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, it's so in, burned in my memory that like, you know, the, the taste of it is just, they, I mean, they sell them in supermarkets wrapped in cellophane now. Let's talk about this book. Uh, it's called Pizza. And it looks like a pizza box on the cover. Uh, very clever. And, uh, but you also have a place called Pizza Pilgrims, which is a pizza place with several locations there. So let's, let's go back to the, the origin story here. You and your brother James uh, went on a trip, right? Absolutely. So we, we, our parents had always run pubs and restaurants. And we had got to sort of uh, late 20s and worked in proper jobs. And we were just desperate to get out and start something in food. And... Uh, We'd seen, we'd, we thought about the idea of starting like a pizza oven company because it was starting to become a thing that people wanted. So Jamie Oliver started a pizza oven company, which kind of scuppered our idea there. And then James went and did a cookery school in, uh, to a cookery school in Italy and saw these three-wheeled vans driving around uh, called the Ape, Piaggio Ape. And we were like, wouldn't it be amazing to put a pizza oven in the back of one of those? And the kind of idea started from there. I mean, the idea literally started in the pub. And it went from, it just grew and grew to this kind of crazy, crazy thing. But we ended up buying this crazy three-wheeled vehicle. And uh, the idea was to drive through Italy and learn everything there was to know about pizza. Because we didn't know all this stuff that we know now, 10 years ago. We had none, no idea. So the idea was to, yeah, we bought the van in the tip of the toe of Italy. And the idea was to drive back for a week, go to Naples, go to Rome, try and eat as much pizza as we possibly could. And then bring it back and put this oven in it and try and, try and trade it. What we quickly found out was the van, as fun looking as it is, it literally has a top speed of like 15 miles an hour. 
we, what was supposed to be a week trip and it ended up being a six week trip and that that became the eponymous pizza pilgrimage of let's just go to as many places as we can that are associated with pizza we had that first neapolitan experience in damakeli you know it was the full julia roberts really of like you take that bite and you're like how have i survived for 25 years and not had that in my mouth that is unbelievable and then but we also went to basil farms we went to buffalo farms we made parmesan we we literally did the whole the whole pizza experience in six weeks and these artisans who've been doing this for centuries these craftsmen let these two strangers these two brits into their factories into their homes to reveal their secrets to you? Well, the bit, the bit that I didn't probably get quite that right there is we had this idea and we drew up a plan. And then between the plan being drawn up and the plan being executed, um, basically we were chatting with some guy who ended up being a food critic. Uh, he was the husband of my boss, weirdly, at the time. And he was like, this idea is great. You should absolutely um, get someone to come and film this idea and turn it into a little documentary about going on a pizza pilgrimage. So long story short, we approached two or three big production companies uh, and they were all super up for doing it. And we suddenly found ourselves having this sort of like bidding war of people who wanted to do it. But they all wanted to take two years and do a proper script and find a buyer and all this stuff. And then we found this much smaller production company. And like, look, we love this idea so much. We'll just take a punt on it. We'll come with you on the trip and then we'll edit it together and try and sell it afterwards. So we set off on this trip out of nowhere with a crew of like eight people to film this documentary. Um, and that's the amazing thing about it, is that just every time you went to, anti, you know, Antica Pizzeria Damichele or an amazing, you know, artisan mozzarella production place, like, they would let you into their innermost secrets because they had, you had film cameras and you were ostensibly, like, promoting them. So it showed on the Food Network uh, in the UK and I think in the US. I mean, it definitely showed at, like, 3 a.m. It was on... Uh, KLM flights for a few for a long for a long time. What is it called? Just in case people want to search for it, it's called Pizza Italiana with Tom and James. Because you're going through Italy, there's not a lot of variation. If you were to do this trip in America, you'd of course see all these regional styles, influenced of course by Italy, but you wouldn't just see Neapolitan and Roman and Roman Tavern or Altaglio. You'd see a bunch, but you guys really, it's sort of a narrow uh, window of exposure for you. Were you okay with that? Yeah, I think, you know, it was all so new to us. And I think, I think we had certainly made the mistake that I think a lot of people make of okay, well, pizza's pizza, I get it, it's cheese and tomato on bread, fine, what's the difference? And I, I guess, you know, a little bit of us, we set off to Italy, maybe with that in, in the back of our head, and actually for us, just the difference between a Neapolitan style, a Roman thin crust, and, a, and an Artaglio was actually a bit of a like, wow, okay, so pizza isn't just pizza. So yeah, you're right, like maybe, you know, starting in Italy, that was, that was a kind of taster of the, of the scope of this, but subsequently we've done trips to obviously New York, to Chicago, to New Haven. Uh, you know, we, re we really want to get Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo's next on our list. Tell people in America what, what's the difference between Neapolitan-style pizza and what is Roman-style pizza. And my understanding is within the Roman umbrella, there's that thin, crispy tavern, and there's also the Altaglia or the Almetro. Uh, absolutely right. So, well, a Neapolitan, every pizzeria in Naples will tell you they invented pizza. Actually, Pizzeria Brandy have a legit, they have a letter from Queen Margarita saying, you know, I tried your new dish. It was absolutely fantastic. Like, you should carry on making this, basically. And it was essentially, but it was essentially a poverty food. I mean, 
It's a very doughy, bready style. Essentially, it was just topped, topped bread. But the story goes that the, the sort of the chewiness of it, of the dough, was sort of designed to replicate meat because no one could afford to buy meat. A lot of people moved from Naples uh, and southern Italy in the sort of early 1900s, late 1800s to, to New York and obviously took pizza with them and New York explodes in a sort of massive pizza thing. The crazy thing is, obviously, pizza's still huge in Naples, but if you go to Milan or maybe even Rome in 1930, they've never heard of pizza. Pizza doesn't exist in those, in those places. It was only when the GIs came back for World War II, so the GIs came from America and were posted in Italy for the, for the war in World War II, they brought the concept of pizza to northern Italy. So actually there's this glorious melting pot of like, yes, the Italians invented it in Naples, but it was actually the Americans that like sort of transformed it into what it is now and brought it back to the other parts of Italy that are not Naples. Because it's a protected origin, like a DOC, it has to, you got to check the boxes, right? With the sauce, the olive oil, the cheese. It's madness. Like um, there's, a, there's a country, uh, there's an association called the uh, Neapolitan Pizza Association, AVPN. And that they have a 27-page manual about a margarita. And, like, and a margarita has got four ingredients on it. Whereas if you go to Rome, the, pizza's still important, but it's not the same. It's not that like absolute, like, this is in my veins, it's important to me. So then you're right, you have two styles there. You have um, the sort of wafer-thin and crispy style, which is very sort of crunchy, crispy, light. Thin and crispy. I don't know if that's a term you have in, in the, in the U U.S., but... That's Chicago-style pizza. Our tavern-style pies are thin and crispy here. Exactly right. And that is still... If you, asked, if you stopped 100 people in the street in London, probably even today, and said, what are the two words that you want your pizza to be? They'd probably say thin and crispy. But then you also have this fantastic Artaglio style where... Artaglio means to, literally to cut, like the cut, um, by the cut. And essentially, yeah, you're making these big kind of tray-baked pies. And that, that is almost the opposite of Neapolitan and that, that is about celebrating toppings and like let's see if we can make this go with this and you know let's just try new stuff and then you literally go in and they cut it with scissors and you pay by weight. Yes we have we have Bonchi here in Chicago the first location outside of Rome where Gabriele Bonchi launched was here in Chicago. You missed that in your book but that's okay. Hey we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to keep talking with Tom Elliott a uh, co-author of the new book Pizza one of the original pizza pilgrims from uh, London. Then we're gonna also preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are talking with Tom Elliott today, one half of the Pizza Pilgrim uh, group from London. You've got a couple of restaurants now, Pizza Pilgrims in, in London, yeah? We had 14. Uh, and now we're, we still have 14, but some of them are not open because of uh, lovely COVID. We started after our pilgrimage, we put a little oven in the, in the van and we traded on a market stall. That was March 2012. We started as a little market trader and it was amazing and I wouldn't change it for the world. When it was a sunny day, it was like tarring the roof of Shawshank. You just felt like the happiest man alive. We now have, we now have 14 Neapolitan pizza places. And we're actually, literally next month, going to open our first slice joint. Very excited about it. Now, I know you did uh, a lot of traveling for this book. You also mentioned some other cities in here. Uh, you also talk about different pizzas from around the world, like uh, Lop Majun and uh, Kachapuri, I think. And it, that was kind of interesting as well. A lot of people don't call them pizzas, but essentially they, they kind of are. It's dough baked with topping. I think a big part of the book, like underlying 
is this kind of search for why, why is pizza this food that humans just love so much? Like people talk about pizza like they talk about their spouse or like, you know, it's like a crutch for them. When times are bad, pizza is what solves it. And I think that's so interesting that, you know, the point you just mentioned, like independent cultures that were celebrated, separated by millennia and thousands of miles, all generated essentially a, a topped flatbread themselves independently. It wasn't called pizza. It wasn't the one that took over the world, but all the cultures developed the same thing independently of each other. And that, that to me tells, tells me quite a lot about, you know, it's like calculus or something. It's like fundamental to human life. cool thing about globalization is now we're seeing some of these beloved pizzerias, the ones you rhapsodize about in, in Naples, for example, like I know Sorbillo was in New York City for a time, Damichele, I think was in Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that, that Italian word is spreading. And I think certainly for us, like 10 years ago, Neapolitan pizza was not the force it is today. And if you talk to, we, we still work with Caputo Flour, who are, who are based in, uh, obviously in Naples. Um, Antimo Caputo, you know, is now a, a mate, essentially. And we talk quite a lot. And he's like, you know, the, the explosion of Neapolitan pizza in the last 10 years has been a phenomenon to watch. So located, located as you are in London and having that trip through Italy, so you're very familiar with the Neapolitan, basically Italian pizzas. And we talked about Roman in our last uh, segment. You did come to America. You talked to, you went to New Haven, New York, Chicago. What was it about the Americans, uh, I guess the styles that you experienced here that struck you? What I find actually most striking about them, I, I mean, I think they're, they're not as obsessed with kind of provenance. They're much more... I mean, quality is really, really important, but they're not kind of obsessed with where something came from. They're much more obsessed about taste. And I think that that quite often means that toppings are much more important to the average American pizza consumer than they are to a Neapolitan. A Neapolitan will talk about the toppings as like a dressing for the dough, whereas I think an American will very much talk about like the toppings being the focus. I think what's most interesting about American pizza to me is that you know, places that are not really all that far apart managed to v- develop completely unique styles of the same thing. So you've got Chicago that developed this crazy kind of, obviously, you know, deep dish that remains completely unique. I know, you know, everyone thinks that's the only pizza that anyone sells in Chicago, which is not true. But, you know, that is a completely unique pizza that they developed all on their own. And the even weirder one is New Haven, which is literally just round the corner from New York. But you go to New Haven Pizzeria and they have like a whole different language for pizza. They talk about... Abitz. Abitz, exactly. And that is, I mean, that's almost Neapolitan dialect. I mean, that is direct. You've got to ask specially for mozzarella. Mutz. 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 If you don't ask for the mutz, you don't get it. So you ask for a, you know, a plain pie and in New York you'll get mozzarella left, right and center. And in New Haven, there's like no chance. A place like Scars on the Lower East Side, I think is in the book as well. You know, he's milling his own flour. It's just amazing. And that obsession is what again people miss about pizza generally is that like they see it as this simple thing and anyone can do it and obviously there is a pizzeria in every corner especially in new york but actually you can work a lifetime in pizza and you'll still learn something every day i want to ask you a little bit about recipes because you have some recipes in the book as well they're mostly neapolitan style but if someone were to embark on this i mean they don't need to go buy a thousand dollar breville pizza oven uh, but what would you recommend in terms of like do you got to get a scale? Should you make your own natural starter? Can you use commercial yeast? Like, what would be a good couple of points that the beginner should should get to to embark on pizza at home? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think when you're embarking, like, I, I, the worst thing you can do is go and spend a thousand pounds and and you know, then just feel like you're kind of beholden to that. 
I think getting the flower right is important and trying to get hold of the best flower you can. Um, you know, the, the, you want to make, have a high gluten content, have it properly finely milled. Increasingly, that is, that is readily available, certainly, certainly in the UK, and I'm sure that's the case in the US. Just be brazen and walk into a pizzeria and ask to buy some of their flour. I think that's the way for it. Um, and I think, you know, sourdough starters and stuff, again, that, that's a really complicated road. For me, I mean, we, certainly in Naples, they do not use sourdough. It's a very rare thing to find, like, Levito Madre in Naples. Using really good baker's yeast, again, be brazen, walk into a bakery, they'll probably just give you some yeast. Um, that's a really important thing to have. Um, we, we, the thing we think that changes certainly Neapolitan pizza making at home and doesn't require an expensive oven is cooking it in a skillet, um, which is just the best way in terms of like you can, you're trying to replicate an oven that can get up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, you can't do that in your normal oven at home. Whereas with a skillet, you can get the pan really, really hot put the dough in, let the crust rise while you put the toppings on, and then you put the skillet under a, a broiler, essentially, and you can kind of recreate the heat of a Neapolitan oven in, almost in series rather than in parallel. And you, you, can, you can do a pretty great job, actually, of, 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 of getting to a Neapolitan pizza at home that way. Also a great way to reheat pizzas is in this cast iron. Okay, final question for you. We ask all of our guests on the show, uh, knowing what you know now about pizza, which is a hell of a lot because you've, you've traveled, you've logged the miles, you've opened 14 places. What would you tell your younger self pre-pilgrimage, pre-trip to Italy about getting into the pizza game? I think the thing about getting into the pizza game is that it's a way of life. If you don't see it as a way of life, you're going to miss the point. Like, the, the, I mean, we've traveled a lot, as you say, and the community, the worldwide community of pizza is just a beautiful thing. Like, the people who do it, who really love it, really live for it. And I think, you know, it's got... The Italians would find a beautiful way to say this around, like, the dough's alive, and, but it's got a real spirit to it. It's, you know, it's something that... You, if you're going to make a great pizza, it's going to take you 48 hours at least. There are so few things that are like that, so few. Um, so, you know, I think if you're going to get into the world of pizza, just, just be ready to, you know, really get lost in it. Book again is called Pizza, History, Recipes, Stories, People, Places, Love. It is a book by the Pizza Pilgrims, Tom and James Elliott. Tom, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. And big thanks again to Tom for taking some time to chat about his path. All right, coming up in two weeks, a look back at some of my favorite shows from 2020. You always want to be better. People say, why you compete? What, what, what are you so into that? I think it's like playing sports. My dad was a coach, playing soccer, organized. You just, you want to win, man. You want to make that better, and you're just looking at your pizza, and you're like, huh, this pizza turned out pretty damn good. It sat here for a while, and I'm like, yeah, that looks good, but maybe it could have been 30 seconds longer, and it could have been even better, you know? You serious pizza people know who that was. That was the goat from San Francisco. We're going to go from geeking out with one of New York's premier pizza writers to trips to Vegas for a mind-blowing Sicilian, San Francisco for a sit-down with that goat, and a classic tavern style in Chicago. We'll recap a year that's been pretty shitty all around with the exception of pizza. That's in two weeks on December 18th. Remember, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, rate us, please. Want to know what you like or dislike about the show? We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. 
You're going to find tour info there, although we don't restart the tours until the spring, and a list of short pizza recaps in some other cities I've visited, including New York City. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and just to remind everybody, wear the mask, social distancing. Please, please keep ordering pizzas. Keep your favorites afloat during the pandemic. Keep looking on Instagram, by the way. I have found some great little pizza joints that are doing pop-ups and one-offs and like one-night-a-week pizza nights just by kind of searching through my city's pizza landscape. Lots of cool folks making the pivot, doing pizza from like their backyards and their garages. So support those folks, please. Thanks for listening, everybody. And here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. Always.